Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think be a leader, make a difference. That's really, I think in every meeting, every discussion, every dinner, luncheon, go into it with the idea of how can I add value? What can I do that will be positive, helpful, in the right spirit to improve the team or individual? Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, the Fraternity of Excellence, the Sasquatch Flag Company, and Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Leadership Series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game this year. Also, I want to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S. and in the U.K., And I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show. So thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership styles, and my guest is Paul Thornton. Paul has been leading people for more than 40 years and has written 20 books on the subject. We sat down and talked about the three specific leadership styles that leaders need to employ to more effectively lead their teams. Now, this was an enlightening conversation with someone who has deep knowledge in leadership, and I know you will enjoy it as much as I did. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Paul Thornton. Paul is, has been a student and teacher of management and leadership concepts for more than 40 years. He has written 20 books and countless articles on how to successfully lead people. Throughout his career, he has been a manager, a leader, a coach, and a consultant. And I'm excited to have him on the show to talk about his book called Leadership Styles. 
So, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. I am pleased to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's great to have you on the show. Great to meet you. And uh, man, you're a prolific author. You've written a lot of books. <laughs> I've written three, and I think that's a lot of work. So 20 is uh, my hat's off to you. That's a lot of work. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I want to start off with is tell us uh, a little bit about your career and, and especially when you developed your your passion for for management and leadership issues. Okay, I um, I played hockey in high school and my team was kind of always like in the middle of the league. We weren't one or two. We were kind of like fourth or fifth. But there were two teams that were always near the top. And it got me wondering, you know, what is it about these teams that they're one or two year in and year out? And I concluded at a pretty young age that it had something to do with the coach or coaches. And that kind of got me interested in what are these coaches doing to bring out the best in the players? You know, what is their techniques? What is their uh, style? What do they do differently than my coach? You know, I, I wanted to be number one or number two in the league, but we weren't. So that kind of started me or got me curious about it. Um, I went to college and I was fortunate to have Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchard who uh, developed the situational leadership model. I had them both as professors and they were oh, great. And they further stimulated my interest in, you know, what do the best leaders do? When, what do they, you know, how do they bring out the best in people? Uh, so that got me very excited about it. And I, I took every course I could with them and learned a lot and got really excited about the field. And then, um, I entered the business world and, you know, further observed a lot of leaders and managers and, again, studied what they did and what they didn't do and tried to always try to find out what is it the best leaders do to make people succeed and how do they motivate them and train them, develop them, all that type of thing. So that kind of started a lifelong, tradi not traditional, lifelong interest in the topic of leadership and management. So that kind of got me going. But it goes back to my early days playing hockey. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, and it's great to hear that Ken Blanchard was an influence on your life. It certainly was in my life as well. Yeah. And uh, we've had an opportunity to have him him on the show here. And uh, mm -hmm. that was like, uh, you know, meeting one of my heroes. It was a pretty mm. wild uh, yeah, chance to get a chance to interview him for sure. Um, yeah, you know, in your opinion, you've been, you know, looking at these issues for a long time, like myself. But where, what do you see as the difference between management and leadership? Uh, good question, John. Um, I think managers use the current methods, procedures, policies to get things done. I think the leader is more focused on change. They want to change the status quo. Um, I think managers like stability and leaders like change. Now, I think we need both. You know, we need stability. We also need change. I think too much of either one can be problematic. And I see companies getting in trouble sometimes when they're trying to pursue too many changes all at once and it gets out of control and people can only handle so much change at any given time. On the other hand, some companies are stuck with, you know, doing it the same old way and they don't change as quickly as they should and they get behind the eight ball and they're in trouble. So I think that's kind of a key difference I see between the two of them. 
I love that you point that out. One of the early criticism of me as a leader was that I never rested. I was always like, well, okay, we got to this level. I want to get to the next level. I want to get to the next level. So I was the guy that was trying to always change. And yeah. the feedback I got was like, give us a break, give us a little chance to rest. And so yeah. we've got to a new plateau of performance. Let us operate mm-hmm. in this plateau before you push us to the next level. And yeah. I, and I realized that, um, it's, you can't be a leader if, if, if you're so far out in front that people aren't mm. catching up to you. So, mm-hmm. so with that, that actually taught me a lot in those early leadership days of like being able mm-hmm. to say, okay, we've reached a new plateau. Let's operate here. Let's, let's, let's learn it. Let's, let's operate and learn from it. So it's almost mm-hmm. like y- y- you have, you can lead and you can make those changes, but you do have to have some time to actually absorb. And I think like you say, managers are do a better job at running that status quo and getting the most efficiency out of that new plateau level. Right. And, uh, yeah, and I, I always managing, struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And managing is not a bad thing. You know, today the glamour is the word leader and leadership and what have you. And I'm all for that, but managers are very important in getting things done using existing techniques and processes and all that is really important. Uh, I read about one company that was pursuing like 18 different change initiatives at the same time, you know, and the employees were stressed out. They didn't know which end was up. They were confused. They didn't know what the priorities were and it quickly fell apart. And, you know, you don't want that obviously as a leader either. So you're right. Too much is not good. Change is, is critical for all of us, but Make a change, let it kind of soak in for a while, and then go to the next level. I think is a good way to look at it. Think yes. about it. Certainly something I learned in my journey yeah. as a leader, for sure. Um, one of the things you say is that leading is a process. And I thought that was kind of interesting um, that you put it that way. What are some of the major steps in that process? Well, I, I think there are four steps that, that leaders go through. I think step number one is diagnosing the current situation. And I think that's really important to spend time and get clarity on what's currently going on. You know, what's working? What isn't working? Uh, where are the successes? Where are the problems? Who's performing well? Who isn't? You know, all that, looking at the hard data, what's the, what do the numbers tell you about the performance of the group or team or organization? Um, So that's step number one. Number two is identifying opportunities to improve. I think every leader, as I said before, wants to improve the status quo. So where are the opportunities? What changes could we make? Uh, Can we change the structure, the strategy, the processes, the people? You know, what can we do differently to be more successful? And then step number three, well, step part of step number two is is then prioritizing. You know, you can't pursue eight things or 20 things at once. So what are the one or two things you want to go after? Uh, Step three is then packaging your message. How are you going to present your big idea to your organization, your team? Uh, How are you going to get them excited about it and committed to it and energized by it? And then step four is what is the plan and implementation you're going to take to make it happen? Mm. So I think those are kind of four steps leaders go through. I think what I find is sometimes leaders don't do an adequate job in step one 
you know, they, they skip over that and really don't get a good, clear understanding of what's going on now. What are the major issues and problems and obstacles and, and you know, that. Um, and I think also presenting their message, sometimes they're not, they need to be crystal clear yeah. and sometimes they're not, and they need to be excited about it and have passion and believe in their message to convince others that this is the way to go. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, you, you were in the manufacturing world for a, a long time. You know, the importance of implementation theories and models and concepts are great, but how do you implement whatever change you want to make is yes. really, really, really critical. That's yes. so many things fall apart during implementation that that's a biggie for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, really, I didn't know you were going to cover it in the, these steps, but I can tell you this as an experienced uh, leader who has basically my job was to turn around struggling manufacturing operations. They threw me in eight different times to, to turn around uh, manufacturing businesses. But these are the steps, I would say, almost identical steps that I had to go through every time. And I would say the first 100 days for me is step one and two. So is spending time. I, I didn't do a lot of speaking. I didn't do a lot of talking during those days. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of listening. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I really do encourage leaders when they come into a new role like this to spend time talking with as many people as you can uh, to, to be able to diagnose the problem. I think it's really important. Yeah. I always say like, you know, what's working well here, you know, what, yeah. uh, what's not working well. And then if you were in my shoes, what's the first thing you would do? And I ask those three yeah. questions to as many people as I can. I try to do hundred percent of the workforce. And I just, I get this data that's this rich data. And what I end up finding out is that, uh, the issues, right. Are, Pretty much, they, they consolidate over two or three or four different issues that have to be addressed every mm -hmm. time I've done it. Yep. And so I think these one and two steps are really important. But then I like what you say in that third step is, is packaging the message so it's easily understood. Because hmm. we tend to, as leaders, we make we tend to think sometimes make things complicated. And I've hmm. found, at least with working with manufacturing uh, groups, hourly employees, you've got to just, you've got to be concise, clear, and have a few key points. Right. Uh, otherwise you're going to lose them. You got to, And then you got to repeat that message over and over again. So mm -hmm. really like that. That's a really, um, it's just, you know, again, as a practitioner, I would say these, these steps work. For sure. I, I like what you said, John, about the need to ask a lot of questions, listen to people, get viewpoints from multiple directions, you know, employees, uh, senior management, the customer, suppliers, everyone's got a different view of the current situation. So collect all that and then put the pieces together and figure out, you know, what is going on and what's the big problem? What's the big opportunity? What can I do to make a difference and add value, et cetera? So, yeah, that's really important. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, your, the book that we're going to talk about today is, uh, is leadership styles. So, mm -hmm. uh, when you think about that book, who was the target audience for that book and what's the big ideas that you put into the book? Well, these days I, I think of the target audience as anyone who's dealing with people and it could be a parent, a coach, a teacher, a manager, a leader. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with people. Uh, I think the three styles I discuss are relevant and useful and meaningful. 
And I boil it down to the three D's as an easy way to remember it. Directing is one style, discussing, and delegating. Mm. And I think we all use these styles every day. Matter of fact, in the in the same meeting, you might use all three styles, but they're they're uh, very, you know, applicable to like I say, coaches, parents, teachers, all of them use those styles day in and day out. So the better we can get at, at using those, the more effective we can be. Hmm. So let's talk about them. So those yeah. three styles you mentioned, um, how do leaders use these specific styles in their roles as either leaders or coaches or teachers, uh, or even maybe even a family, like a, a yeah. father <laughs> with children? <laughs> oh, that's a good, good question. Um, directing style, basically you're telling the person what to do, how to do it, when to have it done by. You know, you're, you're doing most of the talking and hopefully the other person doing a lot of listening. Um, there are certain situations when you need to be direct. Mm. If the person has no experience, uh, limited skills in what they need to do, they need direction. They want direction. You know, they want a roadmap of, of the steps they need to take, the process they need to follow to get the job done. Um, sometimes the problem I see here is sometimes managers go overboard and they provide too much direction. You know, it's, it's like micromanaging, right? They're going into every little thing and they're overdoing it. So too much is not good. On the other hand, some do too little. If you yeah. leave out important points and, you know, miss important details, uh, that's not good either. So you got to be direct. You got to be a good communicator. You got to be clear, concise to the point. You got to make sure you give the person everything they need to do, whatever it has to do, whatever they have to do in the fashion that it needs to be done. And you also have to give them a date to have it done by. That's obvious. But parents do that with their children. Mm -hmm. Coaches do that with their athletes. You know, managers do that with their employees. Uh, there's time. There's a time and place to be directing. The second one is discussing. Uh, discussing, uh, you're asking questions. Questions about what's the goal, plan, obstacles, issues. How do you see it? You know, what do you think we should do? Uh, you're basically getting people involved in their thoughts and ideas on what we should do to get the task done or solve the problem, whatever it might be. When you use a discussing style, you're really teaching people how to think, right? Mm -hmm. You're requiring them to formulate answers to your questions. Uh, you're helping them to learn how to collaborate, to build on the ideas of others, to ask good questions, uh, things like that. Um, Again, one of the problems I see with discussion, you know, we've all been in meetings where the meeting goes on and on and on and on, and too much discussion is as bad as too little. So at some point, you got to make a decision. Um, on the other hand, sometimes managers don't like to discuss anything. They like to direct everything, and that's not good. Mm. People feel like they didn't have a voice. They didn't have any input. You know, they didn't have any say. So they're not as committed to the goal or plan as they need to be. So that's not good. Uh, the third style is delegating. 
Um, delegating, you're empowering the person or team to take action on their own, you know, take the initiative, figure things out, uh, get the task done by the date it needs to be done by. Uh, problem there again, some some managers and leaders do too much delegation. You know, we, we'd like to delegate to our superstar who we know is going to do a great job. Um, they get burnt out or they get overloaded or stressed out, and that's not good. Uh, some managers can't let go, so they underdelegate. They don't really involve or delegate as much as they should be. So they, they kind of get overwhelmed and they become the bottleneck in the organization. So that's a problem. So on each of these, you know, they're, they're easy concepts, but there's little traps and things you got to be mindful of to make sure you're doing the right amount and you're doing it in the right situation. I think there's a time and place for each style that will be most effective to help the people grow, develop, and get the task done. You know, that's important. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today this episode is brought to you by jeremy clevenger fitness as a high performing leader you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do it's about leading by example and for most people the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness by improving your health and fitness every other area of your life improves but how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader well you do what you've always done you hire the best person for the job don't struggle on your own put jeremy clevenger on your team jeremy will work with you to take your physique mindset 
nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. One of the things you bring up, and I think it's really important, I talk about it in my second book, is the, the idea of, of, of balance. And I think... You said each one of these dimensions, there's an opportunity to be too much, right? Yep. Too much directing, mm-hmm. too little, right? So the micromanager yep. versus what I call the absent manager, right? So yeah. they're they're not directing anything. They're not involved, you know, and so both are problematic. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. one of the things that I've found, at least in leadership, is that you, in, you take any sort of um, measure of leadership and there's always has to be a balance. You have to find that right uh, uh, perfect mix that works with the team that's most effective Mm -hmm. with, with managing the team. And if you go too Mm -hmm. far on one end or the other, you end up, uh, creating problems in the organization. So I love how you say, you know, these are, these are great styles and and, and you have to use them when, when, you know, in different specific areas, but also you have to balance, uh, the, the amount of Mm -hmm. use because Mm -hmm. all three of them can be problematic if done too much or too little. Right. I, I couldn't agree more, John. And I think, you know, some managers think that as a manager, my job is to make all the decisions and tell people what to do and be directing. And, you know, that's the only style they use. And of course, that's not effective. And people get demotivated when the manager's constantly telling them what to do, even though they know what to do. They know how to do it. They don't need to be told for the 28th time, this is how you do X, Y, Z. You know, they know. So yeah. just delegate and say, take care of it. Yeah. And they will. And they'll do a good job. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. This is uh, too much or too little. Finding that right spot to be at is critical for each of the three three styles. You know, one of the things as an entrepreneur myself, and I've seen with other entrepreneurs, is that they have a hard time delegating. So they, yeah. it's their baby and they hold on to like, I'm a, I'm a technical expert or I'm, I'm really good with customers or I really know how to run this manufacturing plan. So they hold those things that they're comfortable with really tight to the vest. And so yeah. that prevents their companies from growing because they are the limiting factor in their organization. Yeah. So they have a hard time letting go and letting others take, you know, lead in certain specific areas. And so... Yeah. They stunt their growth by holding on too tightly to everything. And I see that as a problem with entrepreneurs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurs have invested a lot of money and time and effort into their project. And they they are. They're sometimes very slow to let go and empower other people. But that frustrates the worker who wants the bigger job to do or the bigger role to perform. Um, you know, they, they want to show what they can do. And they are capable, and you're going to demotivate them and turn them off, and that's not what you want to do. So, yeah. 
One of the things about uh, delegating that is was something we learned in the military they taught us is uh, they said that you could delegate authority but not responsibility. And what that meant was we could we could give um, the authority to people that work for us to to accomplish certain tasks. So give them all 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 the authority they needed to be able to do that task. But the leader never gave up the responsibility. In other words, if something went wrong, they would own it. The leader would own it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed in corporate life was we sort of reversed that. So when I was in corporate, we would delegate responsibility. So we would hold people accountable if anything went wrong. But then we wouldn't give them the authority. We wouldn't give them the tools. So a lot of the managers kept those close to the vest. And mm -hmm. so I think the idea of uh, delegation when it comes to authority and responsibility. Those are kind of two things that I always think about when I'm doing that is that I, I say, look, I'm going to give you all the authority to make that happen, but if anything goes wrong. I got your back as the leader. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm, mm -hmm. I, cause essentially the leader is responsible for the organization. You can never delegate that. Although, like I said, in corporate, I saw a lot of people trying to delegate, Oh, that guy screwed up. I'm going to fire him. You mm -hmm. know, well, actually, mm -hmm. you screwed up by assigning him to that task, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, that, that's so true. And and another problem you just mentioned is delegating tasks to the wrong person. You know, mm -hmm. if the person is not at all capable or they're, they're just not ready for the assignment you're going to give them and you delegate that to them, well, you shouldn't have done that. You know, that's really not effective delegation. Um I also see a lot of leaders when they delegate a task, they really don't discuss or explain to the person what power do they have to make decisions and how far can they go before they have to touch back, face back with you and, you know, discuss it with you before they can go to that next level, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, that's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very important. So as you're, as you're doing delegation tasks, there's a lot to think about. And and one thing you touched on, which I really like, is that we tend to give too much to to our senior people. And it's one thing I saw in corporate is we're we're risk averse, so we give all we delegate to our experienced people, right? The more difficult yep. tasks, and then yep. these young uh, newcomers to organization who just spent four years in college, maybe or maybe six years, and they've got all their certifications, all their qualifications, they're excited, ready to go. And they never get anything to do because we give them to we give all the tasks to the senior people who are overworked, and then we have yep. one group that's bored and one group that's overworked. And we've got to make sure that we get those, you know, get, delegate to the younger people, the newer people, mm -hmm. and give them opportunities to shine as well. Too, otherwise, yeah. they're going to go find a place where they're going to get challenged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's Very good. Um. So uh, what's, what, what are some other things that, you know, what is one thing the audience needs to remember about leading people? What's something unique that, uh, that Lee, you talk about in your books when it comes to leading people? Well, I, I think one of my big ideas is that leaders need to add value. You know, they, they need to identify what they can do through their words or actions to help people grow and develop and uh, achieve the goals and, you know, get things done, obviously, is important. But what can I do to uh, improve the person's situation? Um, as I say, it might be through your example. It might be through the words of encouragement, or it might be delegating a project to them to let them show what they can do. Um, but 
the leader needs to be focused on the people and figure out what actions they can take to bring out the best in people and help them, as I say, grow and develop. I think that's very important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, um, <laughs> I say this a lot. Leadership is a people business. It's not an email business. It's not a to-do list business. It's, right. You're, you're dealing with people and you're trying yeah. to get, trying to find, um, like you said, how do we get the best out of them? How do we, uh, you know, how do we work with them to, 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 to bring out their best? Right. Yeah. Cause I've had leaders. Yeah. I've worked for that. They saw in me things I didn't see, you know, and I yeah. think the best leaders do that. They're like, Mm-hmm. Joe's got yeah. something there. I think that if we give him an opportunity, he he can really shine. So mm-hmm. they bring out the best in their people. If you're really good at beating people, mm-hmm. yeah, I think leaders um, have the, the great leaders have the ability to find out that one or two things inside the person that really energizes them and is the source of great passion and energy for that person. And they somehow help the person figure that out and and get clear on what that is and end up having a highly energized, motivated, excited person on your team. Um, Everyone's unique too. I mean, everyone's got a different uh, cause or, or I don't know, thing inside them that stimulates them and motivates them to want to excel and, you know, be change the world and be the best they can be, that type of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's important for all leaders. It's, it's hard to do though. You know, it's not easy to figure out what is it that thing inside the person that is going to make them want to go to the next level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like being in their comfort zone and, you know, life is good and I'm fine. And why do I want to do X, Y, Z, you know? Well, you want to do it because it's more exciting. It's more invigorating. You'll be happier. You'll be more thrilled. That type of thing. It's hard to package that. Yeah. Well, and, and you can't, and you can't work to bring out the best in people if you don't know your people. I think the, the the sad fact is that some managers get promoted and they, you know, they might be great individual contributors and they get promoted to management and they, they stick to the things they're comfortable with, you know, yeah. and, and so they never make that leap into, okay, now I have a new job. I'm no longer an individual contributor. I am responsible for this team and, mm. and the goals of that team. And we make that shift in transition. So which means getting out and knowing your people and knowing how to bring out their best. You got to know your people if you're going to want to try to find how to, how they're motivated. I think we sometimes too many too many managers get promoted and they sort of go back to their offices and they work on their to-do list, you know, mm-hmm. versus yeah. getting out and, and knowing their people and getting to, to, to understand what motivates them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Same thing happens when you get married, John. You know, when I was single, it was all about me, my right. need, my issues, my goals. When I got married, I'm like, oh, oh I got to be concerned about my wife's goals and her needs and yes. her wants and, you know, what she wants to accomplish. And, you know, the world changes as we know. So excellent yeah. point. Excellent yeah. point. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Great, great analogy. I love that. Um What final message would you like to leave with our audience that are listening in today? Well, I I think 
my message I often talk about is be a leader, make a difference, mm. add value, believe in yourself, believe in your message. Uh, we need more leaders today. We need people who are willing to um, state their views, you know, be confident in your beliefs, you know, speak up in meetings. Uh, when you see people violating values or, or your core beliefs, you know, speak up, talk to them, uh, let them know how you feel about it. So I think be a leader, make a difference. That's really uh, adding value to the situation. I think in every meeting, every discussion, every dinner, luncheon, go into it with the idea of how can I add value? What can I do that will be positive, helpful, in the right spirit to improve the team or individual? I think that's a good way to look at it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, I love that. Um, be leader, make a difference. I love that. It's a great message. <laughs> so um, uh, this has been a really good discussion, Paul. Um, how can people find out more about you and, and all the books that you've written? Well, I, um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I, I have a, a page there, a site there. I post quite often on there. Um, I try to post almost every day something, some view on leadership or something that's going on in my head about leadership. Um, as you said earlier, John, I've written a number of books. Uh, they're all available on Amazon. Uh, my books are short and to the point, and I like to think they're clear and organized and concise. Uh, most of them are like 75 pages or 85 pages. Uh, so if you want to read one of my books, I have one on leadership styles. I have one on the leadership process. I have another one on um, aligning your organization, which I think is a very important topic as well. But anyway, they're all available on Amazon. And uh, if you want to, you know, read more about some of my ideas, uh, you can find them there. Absolutely. We'll put links in the show notes for those resources. And, you know, it's funny because we started this discussion with you learning leadership from Ken Blanchard. And one of the things he does well is he writes yeah. short books. And the yeah. reason why he writes them is so that people actually read them <laughs> and apply the knowledge. And, and yeah. I really like that. So um, we're going to put links in the show notes for uh, for all these resources, I, I really highly encourage you to check out Paul's books. Uh, we talked a lot about leadership styles here, but again, he's got some other great books just just recently coming out that that talked about the leadership process and others. Uh, but the leadership style one is uh, really good. I really I really like the way you took took the approach uh, to those three styles. So, Paul, I want to thank you for coming on the show and thanks for sharing this uh, your your observations and your ideas uh, with respect to leadership because I think it's given us a lot to think about. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, John. I enjoyed it and uh, love talking about leadership. <laughs> I do as well. So no, I think so. <laughs> well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast.